Well, I hope that you're having a uh, really good uh, Memorial Day weekend and that you've got some uh, great events, maybe family events planned tomorrow to help you uh, remember uh, those who have given their lives for the sake of our country. And if this is your first time here, by the way, my name is Mike. I'm the lead pastor here at MCC. Really glad that you're here. And if you are joining us online, if you're watching this online, thanks for joining us there. And, and we hope that you'll join us here in this room soon. So this morning, uh, we are concluding our winsome series, but I just want to say we are not concluding the end of it. As a matter of fact, we, we just want this to go on and on and on because the idea behind winsome is that we want to live a life that leads to why. We want to live in such a way uh, that we, we not only understand God's story, but we see our role in it. By the way, my wife told me she read this quote this week that said, God is not part of our story, we're part of his, which is the perspective that we need to have, right? And so we see our role in God's story, and we want to know, we know that we want to help people come to know him, that we're not happy just to say, I have a relationship with Jesus, we want those around us to have a relationship with him as well. It is about living the kind of life that makes people ask questions about us uh, because when they do that, it gives us this opportunity to talk about who Jesus is uh, in our life. And here's what we know. It's on your notes. Uh, uh, people need Jesus. Talked about that the very first week. There's a lot of things people need, right? People need a job, uh, but more than a job, they need Jesus. Uh, people need friends, but more than friends... At the end of the day, bottom line, when it comes down to it, people need Jesus more than they need anything else. And here's the other thing that we know about folks around us in our neighborhoods and uh, uh, who live around us. People are searching. They're hurting. They're hungry. They're open. They're searching. And maybe, maybe this is your first Sunday with us or your first few, this is one of your first few Sundays, and you're here this morning because you are searching and open or hungry or hurting. And you are looking to find Jesus. Uh, yesterday, Carl Adams came over because he's been looking. And yesterday morning at 9.30, he made his commitment to Jesus in the waters of baptism. And maybe that's you. Maybe that's the step that you're looking to take. You're ready to make this commitment to Jesus. But this is, this is about, this idea of winsome is, is about caring so much about other people that we are willing to do anything short of sinning to help them come to know him. And this has been our mindset. This has to be it if we're going to reach our city, our neighborhood, workplace, school for Jesus. So here's the question I want to ask you a question this morning uh, to get us moving in the right direction. Is anyone asking? When is the last time someone asked you, I need to know what's up with you? What's your deal, right? Have you ever had anybody ask you that? Suppose uh, someone at work came uh, to you and said, listen, I know we're not supposed to be all religious at work and, you know, in our cubicles and stuff, but could we go to lunch today because I need to ask you some questions? Or when's the last time you got a phone call or a text or an email that said something like, you know, we really don't know each other, but I've kind of been watching you, not in a weird, stalky kind of way, but I've been watching the way you live, and, and I've got some questions. And I may not even know the right questions to ask, but I really want to know why you do the things that you do the way you do them. What is it about? There's something about you that seems to be different from other people I know. When I was younger, my cousins asked me what kind of drugs I was using, uh, which confused me because I, <laughs> I didn't use drugs. So, so I said, what? And they said, what kind of drugs do you use? And I said, what makes you think that I use drugs? And they said, because nobody could have that much fun without some help. And uh, I thought that was interesting. And to be clear, they weren't asking about my faith. But that sure was an open door, right? 
if I knew enough to take it and was willing to walk through it. The question is, when is the last time that anyone asked you what's your deal? Because my, my guess is not often enough. How many times? When's the last time? So we've been praying this prayer, right? Each week I've asked you to pray this. Lord, change me because I desperately need it and the world desperately needs you. I've asked you to do that every day this month. There's five more days this month. If you've not prayed this even one time for the next five days, would you please say these words to you? You don't have to stop at the end of May, but at least through the end of May. This, when we talk about your next step in your faith, that's been it. So I've asked you to pray that. And today what I want to talk to you about, if we live like this, people will begin to wonder about us in a good way. They'll begin to ask us questions. People will, if you do what we're going to talk about today, people will take notice because people are drawn to what we're going to talk about. And I know this because I'm drawn to it and you're drawn to it. When we see it in other people, we are drawn to people like this. They will get out of their chairs to see what's going on. So I'll start with the punchline of the story today. This is from Jesus' ministry. Jesus is speaking and he says, truly I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. What in the world did she just do? Who, who's doing it and what did she do? So, but Jesus said, whatever, when we're going to talk about today, wherever the gospel, 2,000 years later, just so you know, we are still talking about her and what she did because, it's, because it is what, it's, a, it's an extravagant act. So here we go. Three Gospels tell her story. If you have your Bible, open up to John 12 because we're not going to be in Mark 14. We're going to be in John 12. Three Gospels tell her story. Uh, if you've got your phone with you, the YouVersion app, uh, you'll find us there under the events. And if you haven't downloaded that app yet, I want to encourage you to do that. I have that on all of my devices. I hope you will too. And all the verses and notes for today are there. So let's start this together. John chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So this is occurring, just to stop for a moment, this is occurring the week before Jesus is crucified. So the week we call Easter, Good Friday, Easter weekend, it's that week before that. And here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. This has been referred to as the next to last supper because this is the last meal we have recorded uh, before Jesus observes the Passover in the upper room with his uh, followers. In verse 3, we read that Mary took a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, and she poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. So if you have your Bibles open, if you look back one chapter, what you're going to find is that Jesus had raised Mary's brother, Lazarus, from the dead. So this is likely the first time she has seen Jesus after that event. And she'd seen Jesus do just some crazy, miraculous things. He has healed the blind and the lame. He's, she's seen people raised from the, her brother raised from the dead. Right? Her own brother reclining at this table next to Jesus is this living testimony to the power of God that's coursing through Jesus' fingertips, even the sound of his voice. And it's just that Mary knows exactly who Jesus is, and she has to do something about it. So she slips away to get the most prized possession she owns. It's a bottle of perfume. And verse 5 tells us that this perfume was worth a year's wages. So I don't care how much you make, 
25,000, 50,000, 75,000, 150,000. That's what this is worth. Kind of intense, regardless of how much you make. It's kind of intense. So she comes back into the room. Her hands are shaking. She hardly believes that she's about to do what she's about to do. And she eases up to the table and she breaks open the tiny bottle because the way this jar would have been made, there was no screw off cap. You didn't unscrew it, use a little bit, screw it up and, you know, save the rest for later. This was an all or none proposition. And so she breaks open the bottle and she begins to pour the perfume on Jesus's feet. And as the perfume winds this liquid trail down his dusty feet, she reacts without even thinking and lets her hair down to dry his feet with her hair. By the way, she's never done this in public before. Because women in that time did not let their hair down in public. It's, so this is an act of love and humility. And when you look around the room, all the conversation has stopped now. The punchline to the joke that Peter was telling, he stopped. He didn't even get to tell a punchline. The olive that John just popped into his mouth, he's about to choke on it because of what, what's happening in front of them. There's a lot going on in the room. There's a whole lot going on. But here's what I want to make sure you catch. Ready? People take notice of extravagant people. This is what I'm talking about. People will get out of their chairs when they have extravagant people around them. And you're going to see this in a few minutes, but let's just sit on that thought for a few moments and take, because people will take notice when someone is extravagant in how they're treating us or, or how they're treating people around. We'll notice when people are, are treating others extravagantly around us. I love this quote. It's on your notes. I'm not even going to try to pronounce this guy's name. But he said, God's gifts aim at making us into generous givers, not just fortunate receivers. God gives so that we, in human measure, can be givers too. And I just want to be real clear. We're not talking about being wasteful. Extravagant doesn't mean wasteful. doesn't mean everybody gets a Lamborghini uh, in the room, all right? That's not, that's not what we believe. But what we believe is the gospel is extravagant, not chintzy. It is not the cheapest version. I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to make a confession this morning that very few people know about me. Sandy knows this, and my daughter knows it, and it drives them crazy. My son knows this too, but he's this way, so he's all right with it. I like a deal. One of my life mottos is, if it's free, it's me. I was going to have that tattooed, you know. If we're at a store and Sandy sees something that she thinks I should get, like a pair of pants or shoes or a shirt or something, she'll say, this would look nice. And while she's holding it up to me, I'll be looking at the price tag. And she will say, she always says the exact same thing every time to me. You can ask her about this. They're not giving it away. She says that they're not giving it away, which, by the way, means I don't want it. Seriously, in Columbus... My suits, I had a collection of suits, because I wore suits a lot more often back then, that I lovingly called the DGC, Dead Guy Collection, because there was a guy in Columbus my size who had passed away, and the family gave me all of his suits. I had them dry cleaned. Listen, not that cheap, all right? And I'll tell you, I'm not like that with Sandy. I'm not like that with my kids. I'm not like that with my granddaughter. I'm not like that with you or anyone else. I, but listen, I, I, I want it to be so stupid cheap, I'd just be dumb not to buy it. That's how, bad, that's how much I want there to be a deal. That's why I like Walmart, right? Because they have falling prices. Man, I like to sit in the aisle and just watch the prices fall at Walmart. <laughs> but the gospel is not like that. The gospel is the greatest 
news, the greatest price that was ever paid. We are not recipients of a spiritual rollback. It is the greatest gift that was ever given to mankind. God gave his one and only son for us. And because of that, Christians should be extravagant. And again, this is not about driving a Mercedes. It's not about living on the right side of town. It's an attitude of our heart that says, I have the mercy of God in my life. I have the grace of God in my life. And I don't mind giving you what I've got, sharing with you what God has shared with me. Because Jesus told his followers then, I think he's telling us today, freely you have received. This is after he's washed their feet. So he's done this thing. And he said, freely you have received. Freely you should give. And please hear me, extravagance isn't merely about finances. We tend to think in terms of finances, but it's not just about money. Jesus taught this as an attitude that works its way all the way through our life. So in Matthew 5, Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says this, You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. I'm going to guess most of us here have heard that verse you know, quoted, misquoted, taken out of context. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. Now, this, this isn't about if you're getting carjacked. You say to the person carjacking you, hey, you know what, I've got another car at home. If you'll just follow me there, I'll give you the keys to that. That's not what this is about. What Jesus is saying is have such an abundance of the gospel that if someone at work comes at you. You can say, listen, I hear what you're saying, and I'm, honestly, I'm, I'm taking it in, but I don't have to respond to you the way you have just spoken to me because I have this abundance inside of me that I can now share. Verse 40, if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If someone wants your shirt, hey, let me one-up you. Would you like my jacket? Do you have a tie that matches that? I've got one that matches that, coincidentally. Listen, the reason this is so important is the opposite of the world we live in. I mean, I might give you something that I haven't worn in in years. I mean, it's too out of style for me to wear, so here, you can have it, right? I mean, that's the kind of stuff we donate to threads, right? But church people should be the most generous people on the face of the earth. I give you what you need and more because God has given me what I need and more. If you were here last week, I let you know about two needs. One were three students who uh, would not be able to go to camp if they weren't given some help. And then I also let you know, and Jen mentioned this earlier, we have a young lady here, single young lady who uh, has a leaky roof. I just want you to know, just after last Sunday, camp is, after this past week, camp is covered. And someone came up to me who was going to give to that, and they said, I want to give to that with one string attached. And I don't know what you think when someone says that. You know, my mind usually goes to great. <laughs> Strings attached, that's what we love. And, uh, and they said, we only ask that when this student grows up, they not try to pay this back, but that they help someone else go to camp who maybe can't afford it. That's kind of extravagant. <laughs> the roof is almost covered. So we kept the buckets out this week. Jen mentioned that in case you didn't get a chance to help last week and you want to. But can I just say thank you for being so extravagant in that way? Because the way we embrace the gospel is reflected in how attractive it looks to the world. If we don't recognize how extravagant God has been with us, we have trouble being extravagant with people around us. We're just, we become just like everyone else. 
I will take the best seat. I'm going to take the best offer. I'm going to take the best office. And I will beat you up on Good Friday to get what I want at the cheapest price, right? Because it's me first. But that's not the way the gospel is. The gospel is others first. That's what was in Jesus' heart. It's what Paul wrote to the early church about when he wrote to the church in Thessalonica. He said, warn those who are idle, encourage those who are timid, help the weak, be patient with everyone, and make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always try to be kind to each other. There's an extravagance there. And again, listen, can you see it's more than a financial attitude? It's extravagance in all areas of our lives. Steve Doherty's one of the guys who... Uh, uh, he's one of our Timothys here at MCC, and he recently had a book published uh, called Experiments in Honesty. Recommend it to you. Actually, I think Steve's going to be coming up this July. He's down in North Carolina. I think he's coming up in July uh, to a bookstore in Centerville, uh, and he's going to do a book signing. So I would encourage you to go check that out. But let me read to you something that he put um, in his book. He said, it's as though Jesus comes to us saying, you know how you're pretty sure most of the time how you would like things to go? How when you screw up, you hope your intent will be considered far more than your actions. How you'd like others to talk to you or not talk about you when you're not around. You know how you love it when, people, when someone picks up the slack for you and you don't get the sense that you're now indebted to them. You know how good it feels or how good it must feel to be able to trust others in, entirely. You know how great it is to find out someone took the time to think through how something might affect you. You know how great it is to be honored, respected, and included, irrespective of your, perfor your performance or your lack of it, okay? Provide this to other people. Give to others all the things you know you love receiving, because in doing so, you will have fulfilled everything the Scripture was getting at. It's what Paul says in Romans uh, chapter 12. Love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Run for dear life from evil. Hold on for dear life to good. Uh, be good friends who love deeply. Be extravagant with your love. Rabbi Julius Gordon said, and it should be in your notes, love is not blind. I love this quote. Love is not blind. It sees more, not less. But because it sees more, it's willing to see less. I just want to say that's extravagant love. <laughs> because it can see more, it's willing to see less. Be the reason people think, if you need help, you know who you're going to go to? You're going to go to one of those Jesus followers because they're extravagant. Brad Paisley, uh, who may be the best recording artist on the face of the earth, uh, <laughs> uh, he wrote a song called Those Crazy Christians. I've referred to it before. I actually thought he was making fun of Jesus followers, but he is one. And so you have to listen to the song to figure that out. But look at the last uh, verse in the song says, they look to heaven their whole life. And I think, what if they're wrong, but what if they're right? You know, it's funny, much as I'm baffled by it all, if I ever really needed help, you know who I'd call? Those crazy Christians. Because they forgive you when you wrong them. And, and they're so kind, even when you're not kind to them. And they give you a second, third, and fourth chance every time you need it. And they're open-handed. They live as if they have a truckload coming their way. They are extravagant people. And this stands out, right? Because people will notice extravagance because we are extravagant people in a stingy world. When we live as extravagant people in a stingy world, people take note. And the world is, it's not that the world has changed. 
It's always been this way. Look at what happens in this story next. One of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, so one of Jesus' disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. And he didn't say that because he cared about the poor, but he said it because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. So Judas's motives, to be very clear, were selfish. He wasn't interested in helping poor people. He wanted more money put in the pot because he skims off the top of it, and the more that's in it, the more he can skim. Look at what Mary was doing. She was doing the right thing in the right way at the right time with the right motive, and she's criticized for being extravagant which being, he's, she's, she's criticized by his followers. And before Jesus can even respond to her, John tells us specifically that Judas uh, led the criticism parade, but he wasn't the only one. When Mark tells this story, he makes it clear that other disciples joined in criticizing Mary along with Judas. And I wonder if you had been in the room, if you would have criticized her, because I wonder if I'd been in the room, if I would have criticized her. Are you kidding? A year's wages. But can we agree that for Mary, this was about as real as she could get? This was as extravagant an act of devotion as she knew how to show Jesus because she's taking the best that she's got and doing the best thing with it. She's being extravagant. So in Steve's book, uh, uh, and again, I just, wrote, I just read this a month or two ago, so it's kind of fresh in my mind, but he talks about uh, the Hebrew word for love, which is ahava. And he says, really, at the root of that, the root of the word is hav, which means to give. When you add the modifiers, ahava, it means I give. And ahava love is the risky, vulnerable, uninsured act of donating what I prize most, which is me. I will, I will give myself to you. Uh, last week I shared that because of one of the results, uh, one of the results of the reveal survey is that we've seen the leading catalysts that help us grow in our faith. So they they identified what helps people grow best in their faith. So we have determined as a church that MCC will do six activities uh, together as a church that instill eight spiritual beliefs and attitudes, encourage seven personal spiritual habits, and drive people toward four spiritual practices with others. Last week, I showed you what those were. This week, I want to show you. When we talked about loving God, we do those things because they help us uh, grow in our understanding and love of God more and more. But what I want you to see this week is I've highlighted the ones that help us be extravagant in our love for others. So when we talk about six activities that we do as a church, serving the church, we can serve as a small group serving those in need through our church. Listen, those help us be extravagant. They point us in the direction of other people. The eight spiritual beliefs and attitudes, specifically giving away my life and stewardship, help us be extravagant. The others build the foundation for it, but those are acts of extravagance. Seven personal spiritual habits, all prepare us. They build us up. They grow us stronger to be extravagant people. Four spiritual practices are all pointed, all pointed at being extravagant with others. And these things are what help us grow in our faith. Doing these things make us stronger followers of Jesus. When former President Ronald Reagan died in 2004, there was a a private memorial, but it was broadcast live and Michael Reagan told a story about his dad. Uh, he said, my dad showed, uh, stood firm even in the face of horrendous criticism because not everyone was pleased with his decision making. 
He said, I still remember riding with my dad in the presidential limo, and my dad was trying to get America to embrace this positive thumbs-up attitude, and the limo stopped at a traffic light, and someone gave my dad the finger, and my dad said without blinking, hey, look, it's catching on. Uh, (laughs) It'll take a while. We're not always going to get it right. People will misunderstand. Criticize us for being extravagant people. But they will take notice. And there will be people who will ask what it is that makes us tick. What's your deal? Because you're different than everybody else around us. So, your next step in your walk with Jesus, it's this prayer. Whether you've been doing it or not, continue doing it for the rest of this month. Five more days. Lord, change me because I desperately need to be changed. And we've looked at the 25 catalysts that that pull us forward. And the world desperately needs you. Pray that prayer. Those words. You've got them on your notes. Pray Pray those words and do this. I've also asked you before the end of this month to invite someone to something. A non Christian someone. It can be someone you're related to, someone you live next to, work with, go to school with, or on a team with. doesn't make any difference. Someone who does not know Jesus. Don't invite a Christian. For this. Inviting a Christian does not get this done. Invite a non-Christian, someone who smells like hell, all right? Get someone like that and invite them to coffee or a donut or dinner or your backyard. or Invite them to something where you can just be with them. Because they need to be in proximity to catch your extravagance, to ask you what the deal is with you. So look again at what, what is said uh, at the end of Mark. Truly I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. And we're still talking about it. Because we remember extravagant acts. Because extravagance changes us but it's not enough to talk about it we need to act on this the night jesus was betrayed he washes his disciples feet he says some things to them and then he says this now that you know these things you will be blessed if you what do them now that you know these things you will be blessed if what you what do them okay you guys are weak all right Listen, you will be blessed if you do them. Thank you. All right. I just, listen, here's the thing. It's not enough for us to talk, for us to sit in this room and go, oh, man, that was, wow, can you believe she did that? That was so cool. And then leave and never do anything with it. It doesn't help anybody. For sure, it doesn't help the sake of Christ, the kingdom of God. Tomorrow, we have a whole day set aside to remember people who have given their lives for our country. These aren't people who said, I really love my country. I'm going to put a bumper sticker on the back of my car. That's not what they did. They signed up. They served. And then they gave their life in the service of our country. And we set aside a day to remember the extravagance of the gift, the cost of our freedom. It's why we stop. And I hope you will. And every week, We stop to remember that Jesus didn't just say, hey, I love you guys. Good luck out there. He 
actually showed us the extent of his love by allowing himself to be humiliated, beaten, and crucified. Not because he had to, but because he couldn't think, couldn't bear the thought of heaven without us. And God was as extravagant as he could possibly be when he did something to show us the extent of his love. And so we prepare for communion now. Is there a better time to commit to Jesus than this? That you would reflect on the gift that he gave us and say, God, thank you for being so extravagant. I still can't get over that you allowed your son to die in my place. Thank you for your mercy and your grace and the freedom that I have in you because of that gift. And is there a better time to recommit ourselves to his kingdom and to this cause of being extravagant? Not just saying we ought to be, not just talking about it in this room, but living it out in front of other people so they might see Jesus in us and want to know what's the deal. Because it's not enough to talk about it. You will be blessed not if you talk about it, not if you think about it, not if you pray about it, but if you do it. Let's go to him in prayer. God, thank you for uh, Mary and her extravagance in your direction and how we get to be the recipients of that story being told again so that we might be aware, God, of how we might be extravagant as well with you and for you in the, in the name of your kingdom and the power of your kingdom. So God, at this point, may we be keenly aware of your extravagance to us, that, that God, that you gave your son for our sake as we hold these emblems that remind us symbols of his body and his blood given for us on the cross. May it take us back to an event 2,000 years ago that has changed our lives even today and God, that can change others' lives through ours as they see us live out that same extravagance. So use us, God, we pray, and use this moment as we recommit ourselves to you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.